0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 15th of February, 2013. And today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 131, the first full paragraph. And today's readers are 12 Steps, A and S, 12 Traditions, Melanie. And then the readers will be Hoodie, Sharon, Paula, Kim, and Esther. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. And I will now ask Anne S. to read the Twelve Steps, please.
1: Hi. Good morning. My name is Anne. I'm a compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. The Twelve Steps: One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and for fearless Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to the compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, I pass.
2: Thank you,
0: Anne. And now I will ask Melanie to read the twelve traditions.
2: Thank you. Good morning everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Minnesota. The twelve traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon away unity. Two, for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass.
0: Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book, and we're in the chapter family afterwards on page 131, and we are on the first full paragraph that starts drinking isolates most homes. And with that, I am going to ask Hoodie if she will start reading, please.
1: Hi, this is Hoodie, compulsive overeater. this drinking? Yeah, yes. Drinking isolates most homes from the outside world. A father may have laid aside for years all normal activities, clubs, civic duties, sports. When he renews interest in such things, a feeling of jealousy may arise. The family may feel they hold a mortgage on undead, so big that no equity should be left for outsiders. Instead of developing new channels of activity for themselves, mother and children demand that he stay home and make up the deficiency. Pass.
0: Would anyone like to share on this paragraph that was just read? Star 1 to unmute,
3: please. Hi, this is Kim.
0: Good morning, Kim.
4: Please share.
3: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim Jing, and I am a recovered compulsive over from South Jersey. You know, Ben's a businessman. He's a businessman, so I like when he uses these analogies of the business world. It says here, the family may feel they hold a mortgage on dad so big that no equity should be left for outsiders. So what is a mortgage? A mortgage is an obligation. It's a debt to a bank because you buy a house, but the house isn't yours. You borrowed money from that mortgage, so you are obligated to that bank. And what happens when you pay down that mortgage? There's a little bit of equity. It's so a little bit of excess of the, the value of the home versus how much you owe the bank. So what he's saying, he's here the family, said, listen, we put up with you while you were drinking. We put up with all your shenanigans, so you owe us. You are obligated to that debt. And any extra, now that you're starting to get back to your health, any of that excess is not for that outside world. It's for us. You owe us. That extra equity is ours. But they're saying here that, that the, the husband, the, the compulsive overeater, is finding new activities, clubs, civics, and sports. So he's going out into the world and he's sharing these new, his, his sanity with other people and the family feels deprived. You know, I know, especially with my compulsive overeating, resulted in obesity. So when I started to lose weight, I started to understand, wow, I can be the athlete again. I can play sports. I, I used to love to dance. And when I lost the weight, I started dancing again. And I was dancing three or four nights a week. It was wonderful to have that energy to so be able to enjoy that again. But the people that were there for me when I couldn't do anything but just sit in the room and eat, they're like, wait a minute,
5: stay home with us.
3: Why are you going out and spending time with other people? We, you owe us a debt. You owe us a debt. So it's telling the family here, you need to develop your own activities. Now that you have free time because you were not focused on the compulsive overeater, what do you like to do? Go out and do, enjoy those activities. And I know a question that I often ask compulsive overeaters or even other people that have been tied up with whatever else has been going on in their life is, do the things that you love but they don't even know what they like anymore. There has been so much focus on keeping that compulsive overeater at bay, trying to keep them so that the family doesn't fall apart. They don't even know what activities they like. They don't even know if they like sports or crafts or or other activities because they've been so absorbed by the mire of this compulsive overeating. So it's telling the family, go out, find activities that you like, enjoy life, because the focus doesn't need to be all on the, on the compulsive overeater. And if you try to entrench that compulsive overeater, you're only going to create more discord in that family. And I like that, that analogy the mortgage on dad. The family may feel they have a mortgage on dad so big that no equity should be left for outsiders. And with that, I passed.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph?
4: This is Lois. Can I share?
0: Mm, most definitely. Good morning. Please share, Lois.
4: Hi. Good morning. Um, this is Lois, a compulsive overeater. And um, I relate so closely to this, um, this paragraph that, you know, first of all, um, what, I, what it tells me, it shares with me, you know, the feelings of my family, you know, how they feel threatened. And, and I have lived with this. And they were threatened. <coughs> Excuse me. At the change in me, and all I could see at the time, at that time, was, you know, that this this was a way out for me. This was a uh, this was a um, solution, you know, that I would, you know, recover from my disease, and and my values would recover. And I tried to assure, you know, my family, that you know this 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 was indeed a good thing for me, and and I would become a better person and therefore be able to. Um, you know, relate more closely with my family, but you know, this is a very important pivot point for families, and um, and families also need you know I you know need a recovery program you know which is um, I I think it's it's actually very very important that the family have have some kind of a program as well so that they too may understand what it's like for the alcoholic. Uh, I know that in my in my family. You know they, they were they were not willing to do that you know there was a lot of anger and along with jealousy and I did understand that, and I assured people that you know that i I was on the on a path that was good for me and ultimately for my family you know but it, I just wanted to say that it's a very important um from first of all for us to understand what our families go through you know to have that gift of understanding and and to learn that, but also you know to try to um, encourage our family members, you know, to, 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 be, to get help for themselves, that with both, both partners and um, both parts of the family in treatment, you know, that there, there is a solution for this very dangerous, cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph
6: before we move on? Can I share? Yes, go ahead. My name is Jesse, compulsive overeater from Connecticut. First time at this meeting. Um, yeah, I identify with the reading. It's much more difficult for me to practice the principles in my affairs outside of recovery. I'm much more willing to show compassion and tolerance to newcomers and people in recovery than I am. My family. And part of it is you know, I get abstinent. I lose all this weight. I have all this extra energy and pack into the mainstream of life. And, you know, my my, my family members, particularly my, my dad and my sister, I really have trouble. I just get irritated and angry at them all the time. And they're all so compulsive overeaters, go figure. Um, and uh, so part of me is like, you know, let me do my thing. Why don't you get with the program and, and start, you know, developing your own interests and stuff like that. And for me, that's just a hypocrisy because, like, I forget I forget what I was like before I came to OA. You know, I could barely function. And now that I've had all this, you know, this solution, this enthusiasm, I want everyone to follow suit immediately, you know. So, you know, all these chapters after working with others are, you know, directed to employers and into the family and stuff like that. They're, they're really not about me. They're, they're, you know, they're about my, my family, you know, particularly family afterward. And uh, so I really need to, you know, what I could, as far as what I could do better and like a constructive review is I really need to work on interacting with my father and my sister and not, you know, being so visibly irritated when I'm around them all the time. And, uh, you know, so, so I struggle with this quite a bit, you know, letting people be themselves and, you know, they may never recover. They may never have rich and full lives. And to a, to a degree, it's none of my business. You know, I'm I'm just responsible for keeping my side of the street clean and being loving, and supportive so you know i just wanted to share that i've, I've been struggling with kind of you know accepting my family as it, as it is right now and uh definitely want to um not cause any more harm because all it takes is one outburst from my mouth to really cause a division in the relationship and you know and, and i can't i, don't, I don't want to do that so thank you letting me share
0: thank you jack and let's move on to the next paragraph and sharon can you read the next paragraph please
3: Good morning. Thank you, Monica. This is Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater. So glad to be with you on the phone this morning. At the very beginning, the couple ought to frankly face the fact that each will have to yield here and there if the family is going to play an effective part in the new life. Father will necessarily spend much time with other alcoholics, but this activity should be balanced. New acquaintances who know nothing of alcoholism might be made in thoughtful consideration given their needs. The problems of the community might engage attention. Though the family has no religious connections, they may wish to make contact with or take membership in a religious body. So here we have a few things that jump out at me out of this paragraph. The first is new life, new life. The next is balance, balance. And then we see that there's program, there's family, there's community, and there's religious body. So we are getting a new life. We get abstinent, and it's not that we're going to go back to the old life once we get abstinent. And I think in many ways I had some illusions that – and I still have to be careful about that because I had a vision of who I thought I was and where I thought I wanted my life to go. And when I got abstinent, there's a power that comes with abstinence. There's this feeling of elation. You've accomplished a great deal and then you feel you can do a great deal more, more just because you've done this great thing uh and 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 some you see i'm saying we've i've done this great thing we've done this great thing but really god has done it for us the being a part of of uh our fellowship has has uh, this higher power has helped us receive this recovery but yet we go and 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 we oftentimes want to then uh have the dreams that we had for our future and our life take place and we start trying to recreate that in some ways and i want you to know that i've done that and it didn't work too well for me because really trying to get what i wanted and and to have the life that i wanted never really worked well for me. The big book tells us that now our goal is to be of maximum usefulness to God and to our fellows. So we're going to have a new life. We're not going to go back to the old life or the way it was before we started eating or uh, back to... Uh now that i 've gotten this recovery, now I can go back and and create the world that I was trying to create when I was in the food. That is not the way it 's going to happen and to try to do that is just going it, it just is, is going to be problematic and uh, really gets us outside of our twelve step program inside the twelve step program. We are asking for God's will for us and the power to carry it out. We have uh, admitted that we're powerless. We've accepted that there's a power greater than us that can restore us to sanity. And then we have turned our will and our lives over to the power of God as we understand God. And so here we are, and we don't know what's ahead of us. When we when we get abstinent, uh, when we were eating, we had uh, certain dreams and, vi- and visions of what we wanted. Now we're abstinent, and the reality is is we don't necessarily know what's out there, but we have to trust that what God has for us is better than what we could ever have created for ourselves. So. Here we find that we have to have balance, that we are re- we have to be of usefulness to God and to others, to our community, to our religious body, to our families, and we do that by surrendering to God, by working the steps, and uh, and really one of the other things I'd like to mention is when we're dealing with our spouse, when we're dealing with our family, we are now the ones that are getting recovered. They are, as we have identified in step four, many of them are still sick, still spiritually sick, and we have to treat them as we would a sick person. So we don't expect them to yield to us. We don't expect them to understand us. We work on understanding them. We work on what. how can we be of love and service to each of them. And we really, to do this program, we need to be in contact with our higher power. We, we're not perfect when we start. We're learning. We're growing. We're increasing in our wisdom, our understanding, and our knowledge. We accept that. We take it one day at a time. And we look for balance. There's a number of things that we have to work when we're in recovery. We have our responsibility to our families. And our recovery is supporting that responsibility. So we have to put our recovery first. We have to take care of our responsibility to our families. And then we have to
0: uh,
3: be available to our community and our religious communities as well. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
5: Good morning. It's Leia.
0: Oh, good morning, Leia.
5: Please share. I'm Monica. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Again, we have our faces in Chapter Nine: The Family Afterwards. And each paragraph is is uh, dealing with some of the challenges and rep- and readjustments that occur and face a family and face its members of of the. Re- Covering alcoholic so it says here at the very beginning the couple ought to frankly face the fact we got to face the facts <laughs> you know um this is who i am i'm a compulsive overeater i am a real compulsive overeater i happen to be a recovered one today thank you god but that is a fact that is never going to evaporate or diminish that is who and what i am i'm a lot of other things i have an opportunity to uh Embrace you know and 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 live up hopefully to some of potential that God might have given me, but the bottom line is I'm a compulsive overeater, and there are certain things I have to do in order to maintain my uh you know my spiritual condition. It says at the very beginning, the couple ought to frankly face the fact that each will have to yield here and there if the family is going to play an effective part in the new life um Yes, this is who and what I am, and because of that, there are certain things um, that I'm going to need to do in my day in order to maintain a certain uh, level of of health, Um, and that is something that I've had to accept, obviously, and that is something that my spouse has had to accept as well, Um, and that was from the get-go. And you know, uh, it says at the very beginning, the you know, couple ought to frankly face the fact that each will have to yield here and there. I'm going to have to yield here and there um, in order to navigate. How do I keep recovery number one and and still give, you know, uh, c- correct and proper attention to these re- other these relationships in my life? Um, and my husband also has had to yield in, in that. You know, perhaps he would like more of my time at times, and he realizes that I have to be dedicated to this path. Um, and it was a new life. And it was a new life. It was, you know, much like uh, a flower that blossoms. It is a slow, uh, progressive process. Both things are progressive, right? Uh, disease was progressive. It was progressively downward unraveling my life recovery is also progressive adjustments are also progressive a new life is progressive it's progressively forward it's positive it is positive it says father will necessarily spend much time with other alcoholics but this activity should be balanced father will necessarily that means absolutely it's unavoidable i don't know about you but i never wanted to be a compulsive overeater that was not one of my dreams This may surprise you, (laughs) but my life goal was not to be here today on the phone speaking to you. I had other thoughts and dreams for myself, but my reality is that I'm a real compulsive overeater, and the quality of life that I had, um, I, I was merely existing, and in order to maintain the quality of life that I do have today, take certain responsibilities in my recovery. However, however, uh, this activity should be balanced. But that has been um, a process also of learning how to do that, learning how to do that, learning, you know, to say to my husband, you know what, Wednesday night is date night. That's it. No matter what's going on, that's our time. You know, uh, making appointments, you know, with my children, make sure they each get adequate time during the week. These are things that are planned planned ahead of time so that they have uh, knowledge that I will be there one-on-one with them with no other distractions. And that that is a commitment that I'm making, you know, to spend an hour with at least. You know, what I'm saying is it does take balance. It takes planning. It takes some organization. But always, always recovery has to be number one. And what this chapter is saying in this particular paragraph is it's a period of adjustment. It's a period of adjustment. new acquaintances who know nothing of alcoholism might be made in thoughtful consideration given their needs. The problems of the community might engage attention. Again, just because people are recovered doesn't mean they're not subject to and subject of life. There are lots of things going on in the world. Can we practice these principles in all our affairs? Can we do that? Can we be the mother, the father, the wife, the husband, the daughter, the son, the, the community member? Uh, the sister, the brother, that the program of recovery enables us to be. And how do we do that? And that is a skill, and that is and that is uh, working towards balance. And just like anything, when you practice it, you get better at it. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
7: Thank you, Leah.
5: Let's move on to the next paragraph. I'd and like palm. to share,
7: Monica, if I may. It's Linda from Connecticut. Go ahead, Linda. Good morning. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. I was struck by some of the things that have just been said, and I know I've been in recovery for a long period of time, and it took a lot of spiritual development. (laughs) It's almost funny uh, to realize I don't know what the plan is. Somebody was uh, talking a a few people ago about um, we're assuming now we're going to work on those old dreams. I was so sick when I came in the programs, I had no old dreams. If they were there, I don't, I don't even recall it. I was learning how to not overeat every day. I was learning basics. And uh, you know what? I'm still learning a lot of basics. And it's, now it's based on, of course, all the tools I've been given and the fellowships that are supportive of that. But it's, I'm listening to God's plan, and now I'm really listening. And it's amazing um, it's not one of uh, deprivation. It's not one of uh, a martyr of some kind. It's uh, it's a very balanced thing. And it's amazing to me all the stuff I don't know uh, and that I'm learning, um, uh, changing jobs, all the whole... I mean, I would assume I'm a, of a certain age and gosh, uh, I would know about careers or I would know about dating or I... Uh, no, I don't. It was all all my life was tainted, my thinking rather, was tainted with this very self-destructive thinking process. So um, it's not uh, morbid at all. It's uh, thrilling to, to see God at work in my life. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Linda. Paula,
7: can you read the next paragraph, please?
8: This is Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. Alcoholics who have derided religious people still will be helped by such contacts. Being possessed of a spiritual experience, the alcoholic will find he has much in common with these people, though he may differ with them on many matters. If he does not argue about religion, he will make new friends and is sure to find a new avenue of usefulness and pleasure. He and his family can be a bright spot in such congregations. He may bring new hope and new courage. To many, a priest, minister, a rabbi who gives his all to minister to our troubled world. We intend, to for, we intend the foregoing as a helpful suggestion only. So far as we are concerned, there is nothing obligatory about it. As non-denominational people, we, can, we cannot make up others' minds for them. Each individual should consult his own conscience. Well, there are paragraphs on living life and um, how we are not in judgment, and we don't know. We don't know the path for anyone here, but we're talking about the family afterward here. So we're going to look back at the alcoholic will find he has much in common with these people, though he may differ with them on many matters. Well, gee, that seems strange. First, you have much in common. But you're different on matters. But there is the matter of God that you come together on. That you come together on. And if he does not argue about religion, he will make new friends. And is sure to find, now this is at new avenues of usefulness and pleasure. But this part, he and his family can be a bright spot. That's it. In such congregations, he may bring what? Always, no matter where you are. Remember, we we just read about Father coming suddenly to life again. And we just read about a new life, not known before. So all of these things are new to the whole family and coming to to terms with and looking at. But that bright spot, he may bring new hope and new courage to many a priest, minister, or rabbi who gives his all to minister to our troubled world. See, the alcoholic is very unique and the family also. Because here we see the hope, a new hope and a new courage. And that part, we intend to foregoing everything that's read before this as a helpful suggestion only. Many paths were laid in this direction. I don't know what yours is. So far as we are concerned, there is nothing, nothing you have to do about this. We cannot make up others' minds for them. Be very clear here. It's very, very, doesn't make any doubt here. Each individual, and that's what we are, that's what we are, should consult his own conscience. That's where it begins. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was just read?
3: This is Janice.
0: Good morning, Janice. Please share.
3: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I love this chapter, The Family Afterwards, because each one of these paragraphs talks from their experience, the experience of these first 100 recovered alcoholics and then many who have recovered since. Many who have recovered since. And what they're talking about here in particular is what does this family look like now? What does this family look like now? You know, this family, you know, we don't operate in isolation anymore. You know, we suffered from a disease of isolation, a disease of perception, where all we could see was our own pain and our own misery and our own self-pity kept us prisoner. But now we're rising up we're we're lifting our heads and looking out at the world because we're standing on a new spiritual structure, and we haven't done this in isolation. you know we are continuing to react to life on a on an entirely new way to act in new ways, and here's yet another new way. They're talking about people. You know, I don't know about you, but as a a compulsive overeater in my cups, I was a pretty unlovely creature. And I was judgmental and I was critical. And I minimized and I justified and I rationalized so much in my life. And I thought people who had deep religious convictions were kind of out there somewhere because I myself did not share that. I had suffered greatly and I, I had rediscovered in my recovery, a new way of looking at people, a new way of looking at the world. And here were these priests and rabbis and ministers who were operating out of this spiritual structure of their own, trying to be helpful and useful. And it's saying, you know, you might be able to cooperate with these people if you choose, if your family has decided to become a part of a religious denomination or part of a faith community, well, you might be extra helpful and they might look at your reunited family and and be hopeful about what can be possible for recovered people. You might be the first recovered people they see. You know, And and so if that's your choice, if that's your choice, it's a helpful suggestion they're making only. If it's your choice. You know, each individual should consult his own conscience and make up his own mind about these matters. But I tell you, I have seen it happen. I have seen families be reunited. I have seen people in recovery. And the world opens up in a whole new way. And it might just include this part, a new faith community, a new place to be a part of. But as we're doing that, you know, we can be a bright spot in the world wherever we go. Wherever we go. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on
2: what was read?
1: Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph.
0: And Kim, would you read, please? Thank you. We have been speaking to you of
3: serious, sometimes tragic things. We have been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspects. But we are not a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. We try not to indulge in cynicism over the state of the nation, nor do we carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. When we see a man sinking into the mire that is alcoholism, we give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. For his sake, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. But those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. Good morning, everyone. Again, it's Kim J from from New Jersey. And uh, wow, big paragraph, big paragraph. You know, I think we often hear in the meeting, we are in a glum lot. And this is where this is from. We are not a glum lot. If newcomers see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. So let's, let's kind of be reflective on this. Let's think about our face-to-face meetings. Let's think about some of our phone meetings. Is this what we're projecting? If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. Well, unfortunately, I know in some of my OA meetings, it is pretty glum. It is pretty dire. It is pretty much just people doing their drunk Let me tell you why it's so awful, a compulsive overeater, and never getting to the solution. So we wonder why people come in by the 100s and leave by the 99s. What is the purpose of a meeting? What is our primary purpose? It's to carry this message to the suffering compulsive overeater. What is this message? This message is that we can recover. We can recover from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And when we recover, we can absolutely insist on enjoying life. So and I know for myself, one of the things that I concentrate on are the people like me, the people who came in and out of these rooms, in and out of these rooms, in and out of these rooms, and continues to suffer, continues to pick up, continues to stay in the food. Because until we as a fellowship become healthy enough, those newcomers aren't going to want to stay. They're not going to want to stay. Because we're going to find no joy or fun in our meetings. You know, it says here, for his sake we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. Because you know what? It's my past now. When we come into a meeting and we share the horror of our present, that's not being helpful. So I will relive the horror of my past because I can tell you today that I implemented these steps, that I had that spiritual awakening, and that I have a life today that is far better than I ever, ever could have imagined. That I am not only restored to health from compulsive overeating, but today my life is better than if I never had a compulsive, the compulsive overeating disease. But I know the reason I have this life today is because I continue to live in a solution. I continue to do these things. As Leah says, you know, I'm off today. Getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning is not what I would choose to do normally. But I know the reason I have these gifts today is because I put my recovery first, and that is the best gift I can give others, and that is the best gift I can give to other suffering compulsive readers. And as a speaker said a month or so ago on our line, what is the best, what can I do for those who are still suffering? What can I do? There's three things. Number one is I can recover. Number two is I can recover. And number three is I can recover. Because what happens when I recover? We are not a glum lot. If newcomers could not see joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Christy. Good morning, Christy. Please share.
9: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision. For you, this is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And you know, this 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 part of the big book always makes me laugh. You know, we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. And you know, I know for me, kind of just to echo what Kim said. You know, I, I say it like this, um, if I am miserable out of the food, if I put the food down and I am miserable, I might as well be eating and miserable. Why would I want that? Why would I want to put the food down and be miserable? Um, you know, to me, that's what the psychic change is about. The spiritual awakening is a complete transformation of my life. You know, my thoughts and my actions are completely different today. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I love to laugh. I absolutely love to laugh. And I used to laugh at you. You know, I would laugh at your expense. That's how I was. Um, you know, my, my humor was mean-spirited and cutting and biting and nasty. And um, I don't live that way today. I don't live that way today. I mean, I like to have a good time. I like to laugh. I have a lightness in my heart and a lightness in my spirit. And you know, um, if I'm in a meeting and all I'm talking about is having trouble with food, I mean that's what I did for years. I sat in my chair at meetings and I said, I'm having a little trouble with food. I'm working on getting abstinence, abstinent. That meant absolutely nothing. That didn't mean anything. Those words were not followed up by any kind of action. What does working on getting abstinent mean? Um, you know, what it came down to for me is that I had to put the food down, put the food down and take the big book up and start at the very beginning. Start at the very beginning. Start in the doctor's opinion. Get a true understanding of the nature of your problem, Christy, that I have a two-fold illness. I have an allergy of the body and I have an obsession of the mind. And both of those need to be dealt with. So I put the food down. And I started working on my mind, not by myself, but with the help of a whole bunch of other people who had that same experience. And what I have to give is what worked for me. That's it. That's it. You know, there's no magic here, and there was, you know, there's nothing special about me. I just got to the point where I was done. I was done. Even if it meant I had to give up the food, that's what I did. And, you know, You know, carrying this message of recovery to certainly the still suffering compulsive overeater is is my primary purpose today. But it's also carrying, you know, carrying a new Christy into every other aspect of my life, into my family life, into my work life, every single day, every single day with sometimes spiritually sick people. I had to completely change the way I was. You know, I had to talk to my family, I had to talk to my sister and say, you know what, I know when we get on the phone, all we do is, you know, talk about how horrible our parents are and how we think our brother's a jerk and I I need to have different conversations with you. It's like, what do we talk about? I don't know. Let's talk about building our relationship. And that's what's happened over time. I built relationships with people that didn't have to do with complaining about other people. Um, or talking about recipes. You know, my life has elevated. My conversations have elevated. And I am a person that has a lot to give today. I have a lot to give and I want to give it. I want to give it. And, um, you know, I mean, that life that I have today is nothing short of a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. And I'm so grateful every single day that I was... You know, I my disease beat me into a state of reasonableness and recovery taught me that I you know, that changing was a good thing. That changing was a good thing. You know, I am the person today that I believe my higher power intended me to be. And um I'm so grateful for that and with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Christy. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
3: This, this is, is Janet. Janet.
0: I heard Janice and Paula. Janice, go ahead, please.
3: Thank you, Monica. Thank you. We have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. We have been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect. And thank you, God, for that. You know, I needed to hear those serious things. I needed to hear about this progressive and fatal disease. I needed to be educated about what this disease really was, what I had, what I suffered from. But then you taught me the solution. Then you showed me the way out. You showed me the way out. You know, we always said in our Wednesday night meeting, you know, follow the laughter. If you pull into the parking lot and you're looking for the room in the basement of the little church where we meet, follow the laughter because that will take you to our meeting. And I've had people, many people tell me, I walked into that room and here's a bunch of mostly normally weighted people standing around laughing and talking. And I thought, I cannot be in the right place. I cannot be in the right place. How can this be Overeaters Anonymous? But you know what? There we were. There we were. Happy, joyous, free. Free experiencing the solution and sharing it with one another, standing around telling our stories and laughing at ourselves and with each other about what it used to be like. And why can we laugh about it? Because we're not there now. Because we're not there now. Because we're living. We're living. We're enjoying life. You know, six of the most important words, I think, in the big book, Or in this paragraph, we absolutely insist on enjoying life in recovery, in recovery. And when we see a man sinking into the mire, when they walk into our rooms, you know, they're not laughing when they come in. I certainly wasn't laughing when I came in. We give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. You know, we're laughing and we're happy and we're in recovery. But underneath it all, we know exactly why we're there. To put out our hands and offer to the next person who walks in what we were so generously given. The solution and the way out. You know, and for his sake, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. Because every time I tell my story, it's so that you can see exactly how bad it used to be and I don't forget. Because I don't ever want to forget what it
0: used to be like.
3: But I don't dwell there and I don't live there anymore. Thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
1: Hello? This is Paula. Yes.
0: Paula? Go ahead, Paula.
8: <laughs> this is Paula. And I will be piggybacking a bit on, on Janice, so if you don't mind, Janice. <laughs> but, you know, this part, but we aren't a glum lot. Well, there you go. Let me tell you, we're a program of attraction. I've never been attracted by GLUM, and I'm still not attracted by GLUM. But that part, you know, we need to realize more and more what is GLUM means. And it means when we go into a meeting and that's all we see. If we only see people that aren't recovered, then why would we stay? And the answer is they don't. They don't stay. There is no message to be given for the one they see they don't want. But it's as if newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. Yeah. You ain't got a line farming to the right. There is no line for that. We absolutely know this is it. Insist on enjoying life. This is an assistance. Oh, I'm loving this part. But then it goes on here. But life does go on. When we see a man sinking into the that is alcoholism, we give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. For his sake, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. But there's a but here. But for those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others, find that we are soon overcome by them. Honey, they'll take you down. They take you down. We're not meant to shoulder that. There is our part and there is God's part. Our part may be small, essential as it is. God's part is is huge. But there it starts with the willingness. But may I go back to and I want to just look at at what Bill said about some of these things that are being said here because they're repeated. And Lord knows we need repetition. We commence to make many fast friends in a fellowship. This is page 15. Has grown up among us. Well, haven't we seen that? which is a wonderful thing to feel apart. Don't we know that? The joy of living we really have. Okay. That's what we really have. No pretending here. Even under pressure and difficulty. And he says, I have seen hundreds of families. This is the family afterwards we're talking about. Set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere. Have seen the most impossible Domestic situations righted. Feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out. And it goes on. And that's it. Life goes on. And then on 16, let me repeat again what he says. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seemingly worldness and levity. But just, there it is, but just underneath it, there is a deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us, or we perish. There again, confirmation of what is being read time and time again in the truth of it. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And there was someone else who wanted to share.
10: This is Laura. I would like to. Laura, go ahead. All right. This is Laura from Michigan, compulsive overeater and i do like this part about the glum lots that we are not that and that we are happy joyous and free and i always i think about when i was in my disease and i was on the couch and i used to watch oh i don't this is setting my age up but things like bewitched and and i used to think if i could just twitch my nose and be happy you know if i could i would just fantasize on being happy And I used to think that it was just a gift that I thought should be given to me. Um, I should just have it. And I also, when I didn't have it just by myself, that it wasn't a gift, that I thought some man should be the one to give it to me instead of my higher power. Today, you know, I look at it like, I remember somebody telling me once that it takes work to be happy. And I thought, how odd. I just thought it should be part of life. It should be given. And, but it does take work to be happy, too. And I go back to, you know, when we read on page uh, 124 in the family afterwards about we grow by our willingness to face and rectify our errors and convert them into ha- assets. And it's by the willingness to look at, you know, what I'm doing today. It Again, my work today involves my daily inventory, looking at, have I offended somebody? Do I need to make amends? Am I turning it over to my higher power today, you know, instead of relying on um, my husband? You know, am I going to my higher power? Am I going out there to do service? This is what makes me happy today joyous and free and um, it's so nice to be living it today instead of on that couch when I used to just fantasize for hours you know in dullness of tv and food about what I should have that I should be happy and with that I pass. Thank you, Laura, and this is
0: Monica, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and I have one word to say to all this. Yeehaw! Um, Thank you, God, you know, having... Um, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. We're not a glum lot. And I know that's what brought me to this, is when I walked into a room and I saw and heard recovery. I heard laughter. I saw the twinkle in their eyes, and I wanted that. And we've come to the end of our time this morning, and I thank, thank everyone who has shared this morning. And we will now close with a reading from the big book, on page 164, and Esther, can you read that for us, please?
5: Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.
0: Thank you, Esther. I will ask everyone now to press star one to unmute so we can say the serenity prayer together.